But quickly, I'll go into the word tonight. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2. It says, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And let's just pray tonight that the Lord would be with us. Lord, we're thankful for your presence. Lord, we're thankful to be in the house of God. Lord, I pray that you'd bind any unbelief, Lord. Bind any indifference, Lord. Bind any distraction, Lord. Let your spirit loose in this place, Lord. Let your angels be loose to minister, Lord. Bring healing, Lord. Bring direction, Lord. Your word says that when it goes forth, it does not return void, Lord Jesus. And we have faith in that tonight. We pray all things in your name, Lord Jesus. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I'm thankful that it's a little smaller crowd. I think four years ago is the last time they let me up here. So you just tell everybody that wasn't here that it was fantastic, <laughs> despite me. But um, I'm thankful to be a part of the Tree of Life. I honor my wife tonight. My four children that are in the back there, I joked with Bishop Buller, it might be like old time church where if I have to leave the platform to whip somebody, you guys are just going to have to bear with me. But I give honor to our pastoral team, Pastor Tierney, uh, Pastor Urshan and his family. It's just a wonderful church to be a part of. It's not uh, lost on me that about eight years ago, came in, prideful and uh, arrogant and lost. <laughs> but I came to find out that the veil was torn. I didn't need a priest, and I didn't need to talk to Jesus' mommy either. <laughs> and so I'm thankful to be a part of this church. I give honor to all the men that show up every Saturday morning and pray with us. It's, it's been a blessing. It's been a life change. I uh, can just never stop serving the Lord for all that he's done. He can never repay that debt that he paid at Calvary for me. But tonight, <laughs> I went through about four or five different things that I thought, oh, maybe we'll speak on this. But I feel like the Lord gave me direction. And it's something that uh, I saw in the scripture a couple of weeks ago. And if you've been around me, you've probably heard bits and pieces of it. Because, I don't know, when you're just not that intelligent and the Lord gives you something, you just got to share it. So, tell everybody that I can. But the Word of God is obviously the greatest book ever written. And as we teach children's ministry, I like to give them kind of the global overview that it starts in a garden and it ends in a garden. And there's dominion in the garden and there's dominion taken and restored in Revelation. And it's a story of battles won and it's a story of, of enemies reigning for periods of time. But throughout the scripture, there's these threads that you can see at the beginning and they pull all the way through the scriptures. And so we see things like the Tower of Babel and the confusing of the languages and the sending out into the scattering of nations. And then we also see the day of Pentecost when the Lord reclaims those nations and they speak in new tongues and they all hear and understand. And so we have that reclaiming of those nations from the Tower of Babel incident. We see Pentecost and the giving of the law and the tablets of stone and then the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 where... The Holy Ghost fills their hearts and, this, and those laws are now written on our hearts and that love shed abroad within us. 
But within the scriptures, there's always a place to kind of find ourselves. And there's a place to find others and help lead them towards Christ. And one of the, my favorite stories, and not the main topic of tonight, but it's Philip and the eunuch. And, you know, to understand this story, and it, which happens in Acts chapter 8, we've got to look to Deuteronomy 23. And Deuteronomy 23 and 1 says, He that is wounded in the stones, or hath his privy member cut off, shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. So we see clearly, and actually, we see clearly in verse 1 that the eunuch has no place in amongst the saints or in the temple. So when we look to Acts chapter 8, and it's probably familiar to a lot of us, but 27 says, And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, who had the charge of all treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot reading Isaiah the prophet. So here we have a eunuch of great authority, but with no position or ability to go and worship in the temple. So he's traveled to the temple. He's obviously not allowed in the temple, probably faced some rejection and some shame. And now we see Philip coming to see him in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah. And so verse 29 says, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Philip said to the eunuch, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet of this, of himself or of another man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. So again, we have Philip joining himself to a eunuch who's just been rejected at the temple. He's gone with great hunger and thirst to the temple, but rejected by the you know, elites of that religion. And now he's still hungry and thirsty, but he's feeling a little bit rejected. And I think a lot of times we use that scripture and we say we have to find somebody where they're at and we have to preach to them Jesus. But it's interesting if we get into the scripture and we look at that thread that's tied back from the beginning to where this eunuch is, we can see that it says, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. So we know he started in Isaiah 53, where the Lord's standing before Herod, and he doesn't speak a word, and he goes and he sacrifices himself on the cross. But he starts him at Isaiah 53, and when we get to Isaiah 56, we see this. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Keep ye judgment and do justice, for my salvation is near to come, and my righteousness is to be revealed. Blessed is the man that doeth this, and the son of man that layeth hold on to it, that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, and keepeth his hand from doing any evil. Neither let the son of the stranger that has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord hath utterly separated me from his people. So he's saying no man at this time, when this time that's coming in the future, no man's going to be able to say they're not welcome. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuch, and you can imagine the eunuch sitting there rejected, 
you know, feeling that shame of not being allowed. <laughs> and Philip gets to Isaiah 56, and he said, verse 4, For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuch that keeps my Sabbath and chooses the things that please me, take hold of my covenant, even unto them will I give in mine house and within my walls a place and a name better than the sons and of the daughters. I will give him an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And that's the promise that we have when we come. It's the promise that it doesn't matter what your past life was. It doesn't matter where you came from or what your last name was or the religion that you started in. And so this eunuch gets this understanding from the scriptures in Isaiah that what they've been telling me isn't true. And now that the Messiah has come, I have a place and I have a new name. And they come about and they see a little puddle of water. And he says, what doth hinder me? I see some water. I'm ready to be baptized into that name. I'm ready to take hold of that promise. And so we see in the scriptures that there's places where we find people and where the Lord wants us to take them as we're helping them find that healing. But my main focus tonight is Malachi 4 and 2, where we see healing in his wings. And it came about studying about Ruth, Ruth chapter 3 and verse 9, and we'll kind of backtrack a little bit, but it says, And he said, Who art thou? This is Boaz. And she answered, I am Ruth thy handmaid. Spread forth thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art my near kinsman. And that word skirt is the word kanaf, which has an interesting definition in the Hebrew. It's the edge or extremity. It's the border or the corner of a garment, but it's also a wing or a flap. And so if we take a step back and we understand the book of Ruth, we start with Naomi and her husband Elimelech. And they're in Bethlehem, Judah. Bethlehem meaning the house of bread and Judah meaning praise. So they're a part of this inheritance in Bethlehem, Judah. But there's a famine that's hit the land. And all of a sudden, they're lo it's lost on them that they're a part of this house of bread and this praise. And they go to what their flesh and their circumstance says. And to them, they see this famine and they say, we're going to leave and go to Moab. And what's interesting about Moab is the, the, the term Moab or the name Moab means who is your father? In other words, it's what's your inheritance? Who's your father? Who's your beginning? Who's your provider? It's a nation without promise. It's a nation without inheritance. But like many, Naomi and Elimelech decided the house of bread wasn't satisfying enough. I need to go out to another land. And so we see Naomi and Elimelech, and they go out, and they have two sons, and their sons marry two women. And Elimelech dies, and the two sons dies. And so now we have Ruth with her two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth. Sorry, we have Naomi with Orpah and Ruth. And so Ruth, Naomi tells the two sister-in-laws, you know, I have no other sons. I'm old. Nobody's going to want to marry me at this point. There's no hope for you within our family. You should return to your family. But there was a promise that somehow Ruth had heard, and it's back in Deuteronomy 23. It's, it's really just incredible. In Deuteronomy 23, in verse 3, it said, A Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever. So just keep that in your mind. She has no place within the congregation of the Lord. 
But she tells her mother-in-law, Naomi, I'm not leaving your side. I'm going to go wherever you go. I'm going to worship your God. I'm going to be buried wherever you're buried. If you get baptized in Jesus' name, I'm being baptized in Jesus' name. If you get filled with the Holy Ghost, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And so Naomi and Ruth go back to Bethlehem, but they have no inheritance. They have no land. And so what they do is, at that time, if you owned fields and crops, you had to leave a remnant of what you've reaped for those who are without. And so Naomi and Ruth would go in the evening, and they would take the leftovers of the grain that was on the field. And so Boaz, who owns the field at that point, sees them out picking and inquires about who it is. And so he finds out that it's Naomi, which was one of his relative's wives. And he says, okay, leave behind for them some extra corn. And so they start to do that. And they're, they're you know, getting by with what Boaz is leaving them. Boaz actually finds favor with them and decides, you know what, you can actually follow our reapers and just take whatever you need. And so there's this relationship that's happening. You know, they're back in that house of bread. And now there's substance that's being restored to Naomi. And so Ruth and Naomi have this discussion, and it's, you know, it's somewhat odd in, in its reading, but Naomi says that Boaz is their kinsman redeemer, and if he would just redeem them, then they would be up under that covenant, under that promise of the family of Boaz again. And so in Ruth chapter 3, she says, wash th- thyself therefore and anoint thee. Put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man, until he hath done eating and drinking. And it shall be, when he lieth down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in, and uncover his feet, and lay thee down. And he will tell thou what thou shalt do. So, you know, to kind of clear things up, she's saying, get, get nice and dressed up, smell good. When he's done eating and drinking and goes to sleep, you just go sit at his feet and you just uncover the corner of that bed. And that's where we get back to Ruth and the verse of scripture I read in three. So Boaz wakes up in the middle of the night. There's a a woman at the base of his bed. I don't know the culture at that point, but I'm not sure if that was a regular occurrence or, or, or startling to him. But it says, and he said, who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth thy handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid. Spread thy for thy wing or thy garment or thy, or thy edge of your garment upon thy handmaiden. For thou art a near kinsman redeemer. And so we see that kanaf, that corner, that wing that's here in the Old Testament. And it stands as a symbol of the protection of the inheritance of the Lord's covering. It was throughout the Psalms. Psalm 61 said, I will abide in the tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings or thy kanaf. Psalm 63 says, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice in the shadow of thy kanaf. Psalm 91 says, he shall cover thee with his feathers And under his wings or under his kanaf shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. So we have this understanding from the Old Testament that there's going to be a Messiah that raises up and there's going to be healing in his wings. If we look back at that Malachi verse 4 and 2, 
But unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And so we can see it. And if you know the scriptures, you probably have an idea of where I'm going. But it's interesting. We have so many in this city, so many in this world, so many in this country who left the house of bread. They left the one who provides. They left the one who comforts. They left the one who provides shelter. They left the place where they had relationship, where they had truth. And they went somewhere seeking something different. But what's interesting is when Naomi, Boaz obviously marries Ruth, becomes the kinsman redeemer. And they have a son. And they name the son Obed, which means worship. And so we see that Naomi, who left for something different, now comes back and has a grandson. And she says, not just am I going to be in the house of bread and praise, but now worship is going to be part of my life. And worship is different than praise. Worship, it starts back in Abraham where he said, I'm going to take the lad and we're going to go worship. Worship is when you stop coming just on Sunday to be fed, but you come on Sunday to serve and you come to sacrifice and you come setting others' needs before yourself. And so Naomi comes back to the house of God, and we have prodigals who are out there in the field. They're out there. They've gone to Moab. They found emptiness, and they're feeling that drawing back. They're feeling that need to come back to the Father's house. They're feeling that need to return to the house of the bread. And you can see it in the prodigal son. He has almost an identical revelation as Naomi when he says, as he's laying in that pig pen, I'll arise and go to my father's house. I'll serve. Even if it's to be a servant, I'm going to arise and I'm going to go back. And I'm telling anybody that's out there backslidden or who's been out of the church, the house of bread is here. The father's looking over the horizon waiting. I love that old song. I didn't grow up in Pentecost, but I love them old songs. You know, and it's not even that old, but it was when God ran, you know. God ran to that son, looking and waiting. He's sitting and waiting for the return. He's got that healing in his wing that he's just ready to place over his child again. But we go into Luke 8, and we see that revelation in a young Jewish woman. Luke 8, 43, and a woman having an issue of blood, 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood stanched. And Jesus said, who touched me? And when all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee and saith thou, who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling, falling down before him. And she declared unto him before all the people, for what cause had she touched him? And how she had healed immediately. And he said unto her, daughter, be of good comfort. 
Thy faith has made me whole. And it's a call to anybody who's out there today. The promises weren't reserved (laughs) for the people that had it together. This was a woman outcast, rejected, unable to have an everyday life, unable to have the things that others had. Probably saw multiple Instagram posts per day that kind of just beat her down. But she knew from her growing up that one day the son of righteousness would arise. One day the Messiah is going to walk. And all I got to do is get to that kanaf. All I got to do is get to that border of the garment. Because there's healing in his wings. It's, It's funny because two chapters later, every person who touched his garment was healed in Matthew 14 and 36. It was unlocked by a woman who held firm to a promise of what the Messiah had, the healing that would be in his wings. It's the corner of the garment that's there to cover us. It's the protection. It's the healing. It's the provision. We're the tree of life for the healing of the nations. And I think the Lord directed me towards this because it's a part of what he has intended. It's a, it's, a, it's a restoration of ministries. It's a returning of people who've left the house of bread. It's people who come in having heard the promise, but going church to church and not seeing it. Going from service to service and never receiving the healing that's in his wings. It's a calling to the tree of life to declare the things that are of old, the things from the Old Testament, the schoolmaster, the things that are there to help people find themselves within the scripture and direct them to where the Lord has healing for them. We could go around and the testimonies give me so much strength in this church. You know, we have testimonies of healings from from the, you know, the doorstep of death, maybe beyond. Testimonies of drug addictions and testimonies of alcohol addictions and testimonies of perversion that just leaves the conscious and the subconscious mind of men. There has to be a belief in this word. It can't be louder and longer on Sunday, but nothing throughout the week. It has to be a these signs shall follow them that believe. It has to be a willingness to sacrifice. It has to be a willingness to give of your time and your finances. It has to be a willingness to be wrong to the people that need to be right, like Paul said but that they would see Christ because there's healing at the tree of life. The scripture tells us that Isaiah saw him high and lifted up and there was something filling the temple. It was the kanaf. It was the edge of that garment. 
And every Sunday when we come into this place, we have one instruction. If I be lifted up from the earth, I shall draw all men unto me. And when he's lifted up and his train fills the temple, it doesn't matter the distraction. It doesn't matter the volume. It doesn't matter what they did the night before or what they thought they were going to do when they left. That train fills the temple and it's healing. I want us to stand together tonight because we're going to have an extended altar call. The Lord's calling the tree of life beyond just ordinary praise, and it's taking us to a place of worship, a place of sacrifice, a place of praying prayers that don't just touch those around us, but touch the cities and the nations and the world. It says we have power to pull down strongholds, to cast down principalities and powers. We're in a city. We're in a nation. That has many principalities and powers that have ruled and reigned over people. And I know the Holy Ghost filled church has the power to accomplish what the Lord would have us accomplish in this end time harvest. But it's going to come through prayer. It's going to come through sacrifice. It's going to come through an understanding of the word and declaring it to people. When it says, if I be lifted up, I draw all men unto me. We a lot of times want to push somebody to the Lord. But it says, no man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. You're not going to outthink them. You're not going to give them a, a, a flow chart that leads them to that understanding. Our role is to lift the Lord up. And it's in every conversation, whether it's about...
Let's lift our hands to the Lord. If you're here tonight and you've left that house of bread, if you've left a relationship with the Lord and you've grown cold, there was one place where that corner of the garment was going to reach, and that was at his feet. That was at the feet of the kinsman redeemer. It's time that we lay aside every weight, every sin that easily besets us. There's healing in his wings.
In Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 37, we have the story of the dry bones. And tonight I want to close with praying something specific. Because after the dry bones have become flesh and this great armies arise, the prophets told to take two sticks and to join them together. 
One was the tribes of Ephraim and one was the tribes of Judah. But it says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will take the Israelites out of the nations where they have gone. I will gather them from all around and bring them back into their own land. I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. There will be one king over them, and they will never again be two nations or divided into two kingdoms. They will no longer defile themselves with their idols and vile images or with any of their offenses, for I will save them from all their sinful backsliding, and I will cleanse them, and they will be my people, and I will be their God. And I didn't grow up in this movement, but I've been around just long enough to know that there are men who left behind great anointings. There are families that left behind provision for reasons and circumstances. And I don't believe it's by coincidence. That here at the end time, we're seeing people brought back together. We're seeing a drawing of people who have left. And we're seeing a greater need than ever for people who know what's in these Old Testament promises to be able to declare to those who come in. And I want to pray as we close out today for every backslider that's left the First Apostolic Church, Bethlehem Temple, all the other churches throughout this city, because there will be a harvest of sinners. But before there can be a harvest of sinners, the Lord's going to bring back his servants to fuel those ministries. And so I just want to pray together, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would dispatch an angel, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would touch every pastor, Lord, who's left this truth, Lord. I pray that you'd touch every family, Lord Jesus, who's left the house of bread, Lord, who finds themselves, Lord, without comfort, without provision, Lord, without peace of mind, Lord, without hope, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would draw them back, Lord. I pray that you'd restore every ministry, Lord. I pray that you'd wipe away the condemnation, Lord, or any shame, Lord Jesus. Lord, bring them back, Lord Jesus. We need laborers, Lord. We need Sunday school teachers, Lord, and Bible school teachers, Lord. Lord, we want to see jail ministries, Lord Jesus. We want to see addiction rehab centers, Lord, fulfilled, Lord Jesus. We want to see a temple, Lord Jesus, throughout this city, Lord, where you're high and lifted up, where your wing, Lord, where your garment fills the entire place, Lord. We're drug addicts, Lord. We're sinners, Lord. We're those that are broken can lift up and touch the hem, Lord, and be redeemed, Lord, and be restored, Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray that you'd use us, Lord. Anyway, Lord Jesus, let our flesh decrease, Lord, that you would increase, Lord. Lord, if it's struggle, Lord, that worketh good in our lives, Lord Jesus, would you send it, Lord? If it's a struggle, Lord, if it's, if it's inconvenience, Lord Jesus, if we have to meet at another church, Lord, for several weeks, Lord, let us, Lord Jesus, do it with gladness, Lord, knowing that you work all things together for our good, Lord. Lord, let your word be coming off of our mouths, Lord Jesus. Let it touch hearts and minds, Lord Jesus. 
Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, for that barley harvest to come in, Lord Jesus. That restoration, Lord. Lord, let us be one nation, Lord. Let us be covered by your name, Lord. Let us do all things that give you glory. And we pray those things in Jesus' name.